Friend, I want you to know that if today's episode resonates with you, my immersive teaching, What Makes Women Feel Beautiful, is for you. Visit hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful to see if enrollment is currently open or get on the wait list for the next time we open doors to welcome new members. I'll put that link in the description of this episode as well. It's hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful. You are welcome here and this teaching experience will change your life. So you are welcome in advance. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hi, lovely. I have a question for you. When you see a photo of your mom, how often do you think she's so pretty? Oh, she was so beautiful. Present or past tense, whether because she's no longer living or it's an older photo. A while ago, I was thinking through my friends and every instance I can recall when I've had a moment where she showed me a photo of her mom in college 40 years ago or at this friend's wedding last year, I always say, she looks so pretty. Oh, she's so pretty. And I always say it organically. I think because even if I've never met this woman, which usually I haven't, I'm seeing her in that moment through the eyes of love. I'm seeing her through the lens of my friend who I love, loves you, loved you, is looking warmly on you. And because I am looking warmly on my friend, that's the current that I am swept up in is of love. And that's the only way it occurs to me to observe this other person. We've been to two weddings now in the last couple of months. And between both couples, there were three mothers present. And all three times I had the thought, either she looks so beautiful, she is so beautiful, or she looks so happy. And even when I said she looks so happy, that really is a synonym for beautiful because it's beautiful to see a woman who looks happy. It's attractive, inviting, warm, welcoming because her happiness means she's peaceful, grateful, present, at ease. When I look back at photos of my grandmothers, one of them, to be honest, I don't think of as pretty. And that's because she never smiled. My mom's mom, my mom has said she didn't like having her photo taken. She passed when I was maybe 10 or 12. I don't have many memories of her, especially because we lived long distance. So it's mostly photos. That is how I recall her. And I've said this to my mom before. I can't think of any where she's smiling. But my dad's mom, I instinctively think of her as beautiful. 
my engagement ring, if you've seen a close-up photo of it, is her ring that she bought for herself from her saving up her tips money as a manicurist. And uh, we used it as my engagement ring, ring, thinking I would then go and pick out something with my husband. And then as soon as I saw it, I hadn't seen it for years. As soon as I saw it, I just absolutely loved it. I was like, this is exactly what I want. I don't want anything else. So I have this specific heirloom piece that sort of reminds me of her style. And I so associate even that with her being beautiful because my grandparents didn't have a lot of money. My grandfather was a fireman. He was fire chief. Um, and, but my grandmother did manicures out of her home. She ran her own business. This would have been probably in the 50s. Ran her own business out of her home. How few women would have been doing that at the time? And saved up her tip money, not to buy something for her kids, not to buy something practical, but buy something that made her feel beautiful, like this gorgeous one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven diamond on a gold band statement ring. And I picture her as wearing color. When I look back at photos and accessories, she always had a a scarf tied jauntily around her neck. Um, Kind of one of those like sort of scratchy, thin polyester ones. You know, I'm picturing it like from the seventies or something. And she, I remember being at her house. I was probably around 10 or 12. I mean, that same time frame when my first grandmother passed away, not much older. And I remember at night getting to spend the night at her house. And she had this routine where she put on Pond's cold cream on her face. And I just remember the smell of it. She had a vanity where she would sit and do her night routine. And she had all these pots and all these pretty little things. And then she would wrap in one of those same, polyester might be the wrong word, but it's kind of like, it's a little bit sheer. She had this pink scarf that she would tie around her hair. And I think it's like when you were going to the salon to get your curls set in that sort of shorter grandma style, it's like by sleeping with the scarf on, it sort of preserved the curls. So you just had this whole routine. And I just kind of have these core feminine memories of being around her. And I think she felt beautiful. And I think that I picked up on that. Whereas my mom's mom died too young. She was in her 60s, but she looked older. She was a smoker. And again, she just always kind of looks dour and unhappy in photos. I think she wore more drab colors and just less happy things. So in photos, even though my dad's mom lived for longer, in my mind, you know, when you're a grandkid, you just see your parents as your your grandparents as grandkid age. I mean, they were both grandkid age in my mind. They were both a size medium. I don't know. One wasn't really a different size than the other. My dad's mom wasn't a a model or something. If you look back, we have black and white photos of them when they're younger. I don't know if they would have been around college age or in their early 20s. And they're beautiful photos because when you look back at those lovely black and white photos then. But they are similarly attractive. It's not that you would say, oh my gosh, my paternal grandmother was such a looker. And unfortunately my, you know, my mom's mom wasn't the best looking. You wouldn't say that. You would just be like, yeah, they both look like pretty women around that time. So why do I see my dad's mom 
as more beautiful. And I think it's twofold. I think she dressed more joyfully. She played more with clothing and style and fashion, with color and accessories that, again, conveyed a joy. It's not what I have in my memory is not my grandmother was very stylish. It's not she was very well-dressed. It's not that she had these perfectly put together, tailored outfits. What I'm picturing are like family photos on the couch, seated. I don't know if you can really even see the pants. It's just a colorful sweater and a little neck scarf. I mean, that's that's it. You can't really even see so much the shape of her body or it's not the whole outfit put together. But I think it's a sense of joy in the way she dressed. And then mostly that she smiled and laughed and seemed happy. And most of the photos that I have of her, that is the essence that is conveyed and comes through. And a while ago, we were talking about this on Instagram stories. I had broached this conversation and said, do you think of your mom as beautiful when you see a photo? Because I was thinking about how you know, we're critical of ourselves when we see photos. And yet every photo I see of my mom, I think she looks pretty because she looks like my mom and I have a good relationship with my mom and I associate positive thoughts around my mom. And even if she has no makeup on and her hair not done, she's in her pajamas and it's Christmas morning and that's a warm memory. Even if she even if her eyes are closed in the photo, that's a total Lori Rushford move. <laughs> that feels very iconic. So I always feel like she looks beautiful when I see her in photos. And I thought everyone was going to say yes, because again, we're seeing our mothers, if we have a positive relationship, I should say, through the eyes of love. And I hadn't yet had this realization about my own grandmothers and how I actually don't see them both as beautiful. And I was saddened by how many replies I got that said, no, I don't because she doesn't see herself that way. She has always been unhappy with herself. You can tell she's hiding in the photo, that she's uncomfortable having her photo taken. I just see her weight because she talks about it nonstop. I can see in the photo what she's going to nitpick in the photo because every time she looks at a photo, that's what she does. So now that's the lens through which I see it. Um, I remember one woman said something like, no, because she's heavier now because she doesn't treat herself well. And a huge caveat here that body size is not implicitly tied to self-kindness at all, but it can be the story, which you cannot know just from looking at someone, but if you know someone closely and you know their story intimately, then you can know they're not being kind to themselves and that it because they are walking through depression or because they don't care for themselves. They don't love themselves well. So that's what I am seeing is more of the emotional side that's coming through. And what all those messages that said, no, I don't see her instinctively as beautiful had in common is they couldn't see their mom through their eyes of love because their mother couldn't see herself through the eyes of love. 
And they were so aware of that, that how the mother saw themselves colored how they saw the mother. And I I mean, I guarantee you, if we lined up all the photos of these women that we're talking about in DMs, if we had black and white photos of them from the 30s, from the 70s, you know, grandmothers or mothers, whatever your era is, it wouldn't be the prettiest women whose daughters and granddaughters saw or see them as beautiful. It would be the ones who had the most joy, who had the most peace in themselves, who played with fashion and style the most. Some of them, it might be because they were particularly stylish. Some, it might be because they were particularly good looking. But I think far and away, what we would see is it's the ones who smiled the most, who were the warmest. So what does that tell us? I think there's four things. Number one is what makes women feel beautiful is what makes women look beautiful. And the proof is in the stories of the generations. And this has always been my belief. It's why my signature teaching is called what makes women feel beautiful rather than how to look more beautiful. Because I truly, deeply do believe that, again, we're not talking about models and who's getting cast for something. We're talking about the real people in your life that you think, oh, she's so pretty, right? Like that that's, it's in those moments, it's in those people that are joyful and they feel beautiful and they're loving their life and they're happy and they're not fidgeting and they're not hiding and they're, there isn't a fake expression on their face that what looks beautiful to us on the outside actually is a representation on the inside. And I think reflecting on your experience and talking with your friends about how do you see your mom? How do you see your grandmothers? Did the women in your life, do the women in your life feel beautiful about themselves? And do you think that when you see photos of them, that proof is in the generations? Second thing it tells us is that you feeling more beautiful gives your kids happier memories. Now, I do not say that from a place of mom shame. I think there is so much that's like, you're going to screw up your kids in this and you're not doing a good enough job here. I do not mean that negatively at all. Uh, or, or from a, I should, should say, I don't mean that from a place of heaping more pressure on you, but realizing all that is required for them to feel happy around you is for you to feel happy around you. It's actually to lower it and say, they don't care what you were wearing in that photo. They don't care what your body looked like in that swimsuit. They are never going to reflect back on that part of it if you are just conveying that you feel beautiful they are always going to have warm memories when they see you because you had warm memories when you see you. When you're unhappy in yourself, it does show. And when you're happy in yourself, they get to see you through their eyes, which is all love. That's our default state, is to feel loving towards the people that we love. 
And love is attractive. Love is beautiful, which is why, again, when I'm just sitting near a close friend and she is looking fondly at a photo of her mom, I'm not feeling like this is uh, socially something I feel like I should say. It just comes out and I mean it organically and authentically that I realize how many times I say, oh, she's so pretty. Oh, she's so beautiful because I'm caught up in that current of love. The only thing that stops that is us not having enough self-love that that is that becomes the more dominant emotion and thought and narrative. The third thing this reminds us of is that your happiness in yourself is the number one factor in how happy your daughters are in themselves which is not to exclude your sons, um, but specifically the research that I have read is around daughters, and the research shows this. That the number one factor that gives girls a healthier relationship with their body and beauty is their mother having a healthier relationship with hers. Now, in my case, my dad's mom didn't have daughters, so I don't have two examples that I can see on either side of the family. My dad's mom only had sons, and again, sons and daughters are statistically different. But on my maternal side, without going into specifics, that has definitely been passed down. I specifically have an aunt who really struggles with self-acceptance on the outside. And I've always known that, but I just recently sort of put two and two together and thought, well, it certainly is harder when you have a mom who doesn't seem happy and joyful in herself, in her appearance, isn't wanting to take photos, isn't wanting to smile. What would the likelihood be that you would be totally different. Last weekend, we were at, the weekend before, we were at a wedding for two friends of ours who are Indian. And the groom, our friend Roshan, is one of the most joyful, just kind of big, like he'll celebrate big, he'll play big, just so full of life. I met his dad and was like, oh my gosh, I get it. I get it. This is the most joyful, fun, playful man out on the dance floor, being silly, pinching everybody's cheeks, like just so happy all weekend. I thought, of course, of course, this this would be your dad because it gets passed down. It had to come from somewhere. You had to cut, most likely, you had to have a parent that was exuberant and joyful and positive and loved and lived big in order for that to be carried down. We pass these things on. And thankfully, I have broken that cycle. I have grown far healthier and more peaceful than anyone else in my family, which is not to say that they haven't grown in their own ways, but I realize and recognize the vast difference because of the intentional work that I've done in this area, because of saying I want to heal more in my body and my beauty. And my motivation was not because I 
was planning on being a mother. I mean, when I first started this work back in 2011, I was single. I wasn't sure if I wanted kids. I mean, it was not, it was just for myself. And even if you're not a mother or you do not, will not be one in the future, you're a friend. You have people who love you. And I've had friends who at different points in their life were very insecure even if they didn't convey it at all times, I might have a core experience where I heard them talk about themselves in a photo. I saw them get self-conscious in wanting to retake a photo. I saw them be nervous that somebody was going to post a photo of them in a bathing suit on their social media type of thing. And I thought, oh, I didn't realize just how self-conscious that person was. But once I saw that insecurity, that is then how I saw them in photos. I now saw them through their lens when prior to that interaction, I hadn't. And if they passed away at that time in their life and our lives, I would remember that. Like I would think, gosh, I wish that friend I wish she'd appreciated her age more. Like she was so worried about aging and she just like, she hated the way she looked when her Botox had worn off. And if her life got cut too short, wouldn't I just be thinking, I wish she had just appreciated her age more. She was so young. She was so pretty. But I would remember that that's not the way she saw herself. I would think, I wish she'd felt more peace with herself. If that was one of my last interactions was her being so worried someone was going to post her in a bathing suit, that's the memory that would stick out when I saw another photo of her. Even just a photo in a you know dress at a wedding or whatever, I would think, oh, I remember that she was sadly really insecure and look how beautiful she is and what a shame that she didn't appreciate that, that she didn't have the peace and the joy with that. There's not one friend of mine that if they passed away too young, I would look back at photos and be like, she had a great body though. I mean, think about it realistically, right? Never. It would never be, it would be so much more likely that I would be commenting on how unfortunate it was that she hadn't loved herself more, that she hadn't appreciated her age, that she hadn't owned herself more fully I wouldn't actually be like, oh, this, this thing about her was so great. I would be thinking how pretty she was based on how pretty she felt. And, and her love for herself is the current that I would be swept up in. And if she hadn't really conveyed or commented on that, or if it was a much younger version of herself, et cetera, then I'm just seeing her now through my eyes of love. And every time I see a friend of mine, that's what I think. I genuinely, all the time, I'm thinking to my friends, oh, she's so pretty. She's so pretty in that photo. She's so pretty in that photo. And again, it's not because if you lined up these friends, you'd be like, well, <laughs> Hillary, your, uh, your closest friends are all literally models. That's not it. They're just, like, they're normal women. And yet she just looks so happy as a mom and she looks so happy as a newlywed and she looks so happy in that country and she looks so happy in her new home, whatever it is. The way that we feel is how we look to those around us. And then the fourth thing that stands out to me is, is anyone else watching that Netflix show, Live to 100? It's 
I'm pretty positive that it's the same guy who wrote a book on blue zones years ago, which like the five spots in the world where people live the longest. And, um, while I don't specifically have a goal that I need to live to 100, it's actually a deeply compelling show about just living a full, free, healthy life. It's so weird. As I said that, I noticed that I sat up straighter, stood up straighter with my posture because it's almost more like that. It's like living with more vitality. These people aren't just eking their existence out. They have lower rates of dementia and diseases, and they are cognitively so with it, it, and they're physically so able. I mean, they really are thriving at 100. They aren't just surviving to 100. And meanwhile, we're struggling more decades before. It's not just the longevity of life, but really the quality of life. And I thought there is a vitality to feeling beautiful and vice versa. And these countries or these locations by and large are less affluent. Uh, I mean, it wasn't about what they were wearing or anything like that. It wasn't about, they didn't have makeup on their face. They certainly didn't have any beauty treatments. I mean, their faces were deeply wrinkled, but they're more active in their days, even if that's laughing and playing games and gardening and sewing and doing Tai Chi or dance class or whatever. And I thought we all avoid aging. We are all more stressed and trying to control not looking older. And yet there's also something counterintuitive about it because the more peace, joy, ease, self-love, gratitude, all of that, we look more beautiful. If you watch this show, it's like all of these older people are really beautiful looking. And again, I don't mean beautiful as in supermodel. Not that you're going to think that anyways when I'm describing someone who is 100, but just happy. Happy. I think that's the word. They all seem so happy. And that makes you feel like that person is beautiful. They are living a beautiful life And they have embraced the aging because they are aging well. Instead of fighting it, they're just continuing to thrive in their lives. And, you know, I think of someone like Audrey Hepburn. I don't remember what age she was when she died, but I remember we see these photos of her from when she was older. And I actually don't think she was really that old, all things considered. I feel like maybe she was in her 70s or something. But I can recall her face was very wrinkled. I mean, this was before facelifts. This is before Botox, all of those things. And I just have this sense that she was wrinkled and peaceful. She was doing meaningful work with children in the latter part of her life after her film. She was living in her peaceful home in Switzerland with her husband and her son, whatever. And she looks so beautiful at that age, but I really think it's a peaceful presence that is a part of it. And this is our future. This is the possibility of our future. If we are blessed to live a long life and have people who love us both now and when we are very old and after we're gone, who adore seeing photos of us at all of those stages. And it's so compelling to do the work to heal 
your relationship with your body and beauty and how you feel about yourself and what your authentic thoughts and feelings are in your head and being in your body so that you can live and be remembered through the eyes of the love of others. Is there really anything more simple and yet sweet in life to think that when you are gone, there will be people who loved you, who are grateful for the time they had with you, who have these photos, these videos perhaps, to look back on fondly and say, oh, she was so pretty. Oh, she was so beautiful. Oh, I loved that about her. Because you allow them to see you through the eyes of love that you saw yourself. This is what we're doing in what makes women feel beautiful. We are breaking generational patterns. We are modeling self-love for generations. We are living a healthier life and leaving a happier legacy. We're taking the photos. We're smiling in the photos. We're not worrying if we're in our swimsuit in the photos. We're not always being the one behind the camera. We are embracing the makeup-free morning snaps. We're living for the moment and the memories, not the social media share. And I want to close with that thought and unpacking that question. What is the purpose of a photo? Because today, the purpose of most of our photos is to be shared, to be shared widely with people you rarely see, haven't seen in years, haven't seen in decades, have never met, met one time, aren't really building a relationship with won't really miss you when you're gone. I mean, they might be like, oh, such a shame. Oh, I'm so sorry for her partner and her kids. It's just so sad. But they're not actually missing you now. Like one of my favorite college professors passed away a couple months ago, and I felt really sad about it. But it mostly was a reflection on how valuable he was to me at the time. And I thought, you know, I kind of wish that I'd made more of a point to reconnect with him. He was just a fascinating person. And I sort of regretted that I had lost touch or whatever. But, but that's it. Even if I had seen a few photos of him on Facebook, it wasn't really our relationship. The people that are truly missing him when he's gone didn't need to see photos of him online in order to have that depth of relationship. Now, I will give a little caveat that I have some dear friends in my life that I have met through social media because of my work. We're seeing what they're up to on social media absolutely is part of it. Or I have dear friends that have moved and thanks to social media, I still get to see their life. So there is some of that, but there is a real genuine connection there. And that is still, we're talking a small group of people, right? Or I mean, I don't know, I'm talking less than 50 people. I mean, how many people are you thinking of when you take that photo? I'm probably thinking of less than 30 people that like really are meaningful in that way. We usually are today are taking these photos to be shared, show what you were doing, how good you looked, that great dress you picked, how cute your kids are, how cool your vacation was, how beautiful the you know your home is. Every photo of my grandmother 
was for us. They were for them, hopefully at the time, to display and have their memories. And then for my parents. And then my, you know, my child now will get to see those photos. But it's for your loved ones. There's maybe some of their closest friends still had those photos, but for the most part now, how many people are still holding on to photos of Wanda and Charlene? I don't think that many people, those are my grandmothers, I don't think that many people that are still alive today. Like the photos matter for me. And the only people who are seeing it are the ones that love you. And they just want to capture a memory with you. And it's, I, I want to have compassion when I say this, but if I'm being frank, the honest feeling that I feel in my core in moments is frankly disgust when I have an interaction in my real life where someone says, like, oh, but don't put that on social media. Or I don't want this on social media. Now, to clarify, I don't mean like a photo of a child's face for safety, or obviously I have no compromising photos. I'm not talking about nude photos of anyone or, you know, someone, I don't know, giving the middle finger. I mean, I'm not talking about anything ridiculous. I just mean a photo where you, it was morning time and, and no one was wearing makeup, or your arm isn't as slimming as it could be. Or it's a group photo in swimsuits because you were getting in and out of a body of water. Your body, the reason I feel almost this sense of disgust, and again, I say this with compassion, but I'm just also being honest that there is like a, I'm like putting my hands in front of my stomach. There's almost this like flick that I feel deep in my gut when someone says that because your body is walking around every day. It's being seen. You can't control who walks past you in the grocery store. People see your body. This happens in the world all the time. You were seen at the pool. You were seen at the hotel. You were seen at the beach. If, if not today, then another time. But this area of saying it's a photo on social media that you can control you then fixate on, even though the only people who are seeing it are the least important, who haven't already seen it, are the least important people. Because your friends and your family have all been with you and all been around you. So why do they care? But yeah, they're aware, of, they're aware of what your body looks like. They see it in motion. What that, and that's not what they're thinking when they see the photo. They're thinking, oh my gosh, I loved that day. Wasn't that so fun? They're looking at like the baby in the photo who's making a cute face. They're not looking at your arm. So you're doing it for the person who isn't close enough to you that they would have actually been there. And you're trying to police their thoughts about you when they're not even close enough to you that they have any other relationship, right? Like when you really start to think about whose thoughts am I trying to control? They are the people farthest from me because the people closest to me are the ones I'm actually sitting around in my pajamas with no makeup on around. They already know. And when you think about it, what thoughts do you have about bodies on social media? And if it is judgmental, if you are looking at that arm, that is only because you're looking at your arm. 
It is only a sign of how much you are judging yourself. It actually isn't about that photo. It isn't about that body. It isn't about that person. It's only about you. So what you're saying is, I want to try to control, I'm trying to protect my body from your thoughts about your body. Like it's so exhausting. And yet I know you've had that experience too. I know you've been around a friend or a family member or yourself where you've had that moment and you've gotten this sense of, oh, I really need to control this photo that's being taken because it could be dispersed too widely. And yet again, I'm not talking about an inappropriate photo. I'm just talking about a normal photo. When I see a a normal mom of like someone my age who is with her mom, who I know is older or whatever, and I just get a sense like they're fine being on social media. It just looks like somebody who's relaxed. They're just popping their head into the video. They're like doing a selfie or whatever. And they're talking to their mom. The mom's like, what? Like she's not stressed of like, oh gosh, I'm on camera. Oh, I didn't realize. I just, I feel like this sense of like, yes, like this relax, this release of like, oh, thank goodness. An older woman who just is not panicked about what strangers are thinking about her through a phone any more than she is when she was in the grocery store 20 minutes ago and seeing actual people in her real community and she wasn't ducking around the aisles like, oh gosh, no, no one, no one can look at me. We just get this way through social media and there's just this mature peace that I will sense sometimes in women who are not needing to be so perfect that I just realized that's, they're also going to the groceries the other way and they just, they're realizing the people near me are the ones that really matter. So friend, I beg of you, as we head into the holidays a few months from now, as you think back on your summer photos and your summer experiences, um, as you are taking photos now in the next couple of weeks, whatever it is in the year ahead, take photos to look happy. That's it. Your number one goal should be that you look happy. Am I going to look back on this photo and think, I, I, I was really happy there. Take photos because you are happy with the people that you're with and in the place that you are. And that's the reason to stop and take the photo. Not because you're going to share it on social media, but because you want that happy memory for yourself. And I say this also as someone who is a content creator, and I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs in our community. So let me also just like time out for one second here and say, if you are a content creator, make sure that you are taking both types of content. And I'll give you an example. We just did um, photos for our gender reveal a few weeks ago, and I was very clear to Jeremy, and even when I was describing it to the photographer, the number one goal of these photos is for us. First goal, I want to have these photos up in the nursery. Second, I want our child to have these photos. I want to have three for us. I want to have captured this moment in time when we're expecting a baby. I want to remember this season when we lived in New York and we were having a baby. I even want to remember this time when no one but us and our surrogate knew the gender of the baby. You know, like that even represents with it's a gender reveal, not meaning first and foremost to social media, but it's capturing 
a moment when like, just we knew for all these weeks, we only said the pronoun to each other until we got to a certain point in our pregnancy and started telling um, our family and friends. And I was so clear the the bonus is that I can use these to put together a reels because of course at some point I'm going to share the gender. So I've got to do that in some way. But I was like, I don't want to take the time, the money, the energy, putting together outfits, hiring a photographer and narrowing images. I don't want to do all of that just to tell strangers on the internet. Now, no offense. I know that we are also friends here, but really when you think about it, that the sex or gender of my child is not the basis of your and I's friendship, right? Like that's not what it's all about. So I made sure to reorient. I am taking these photos first and foremost for ourselves, for my children, for my potential grandchildren, for myself, for my husband, et cetera, for the nursery, like for our home. And then as a bonus, yeah, I'm going to post them on social media. But that's the bonus. It's not the purpose. Now, were there other times, just continuing for fellow entrepreneurs, when I'm taking photos for content? Yeah, absolutely. But that's a different part of my life. That's a, a, a photo for work. Like you might have to take a, um, like a directory photo or something for your HR, or you might take headshots for your website. So yeah, sometimes you're taking photos for work, for other people to see them. I don't know if people still use business cards, but like for your business cards. Those are not the photos that I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you're on vacation, when it's the holidays, when you're having the family moments and making sure that first and foremost, the goal is not the people on Instagram who are going to see this, this Christmas card, but 25 years from now that I, I don't know how big your family is. I was going to say a number. And then I was like, maybe some families are bigger, but my husband's family, for example, is bigger. When I think about my grandparents, I mean, how many of us are are looking at those photos right now. I I could count on on two hands. So for the 10 people that are going to see that Christmas card that in our case, you know, would have been from the 80s, there's 10 people left that that matters to. And that is the reason to take the photo, even the photo in the swimsuit, in the pool to keep the photo where you have the double chin and for me like my nose looks really pointy when I'm laughing really hard but you know it also is how my mom's nose looks and I can tell that I'm really laughing and I love the photos where I can tell my mom is really laughing and they're not the prettiest photos they're the happiest photos take the photos for you and for them not for social media. And while unfortunately my grandmother didn't like having her photo taken and that again comes through and has completely colored how I see her as a human being when you think about it. I think by and large, that was a much more rare opinion to have at that time. And it is much more common now because we are stealing moments from the people that matter most to us we are stealing memories from the people that matter most to us. We are stealing happiness and joy in our relationships because we are prioritizing what distant contacts are going to think about us or people we literally don't even know because it's posted on someone else's social media account and no one is paying attention to you in the photo because it just wasn't all about you. I also filmed a lot of bits of our surrogacy journey just over time. And oftentimes Jeremy would be like, why, why are you filming this? And I was like, for our kid, 
for for home videos. This is a unique time when we're waiting to get a surrogacy match and went just all of these things. Like I would love videos of my parents when they were in that you know season of expecting. So sometimes you're not taking the video because you're ever going to post it. Maybe it will get posted, but take more videos that are just truly for you. And I'll also go ahead and say, though I, I wasn't thinking about this earlier, but something, whole other conversation, but something I'm thinking about as we have a kid is also, but just different topic, but momentary side tangent, um, is also taking less photos and videos at some point. Because, I mean, if your kid has 100,000 photos by the time they're five, are they ever going to go through them? Like, what's the value of that? They're not, you know, you're not going to sit down and spend three days going through the Dropbox archives. So I also think about that. I also am aware of some parents I'm around that are doing so much documenting. And I just think what, what, what are you, what are we doing with all of that? There's going to be such an excess that nothing's going to seem special to our kids. So something that, that I need to talk through with Jeremy is how are we figuring out how to, um, how to make sure that that the memories actually get appreciated and preserved and we don't just hand our kid like, hey, here's 10 terabytes of your childhood. And they're like, okay, great. When am I ever going to go through that? You know, whereas my parents have actual photo albums and probably once a year we do pull them out and look at them. And yet I don't think we would do that if there was so many that we could, you know, barely make a dent in them. So coming at it from all different angles in today's conversation, The conclusion is that you are beautiful when you're happy. And when you are happy, you let the people who love you see you through their eyes of love. And their eyes are the only ones that matter. So take the photos for them. Heal this through what makes women feel beautiful. Create a generation if you have offspring. Create a community if you are around friends who live like this and therefore feel more loving in their relationships in this one small and yet important once we're gone area of life. And this is countercultural to a day and age of social media and likes. I think this is living vintage. Let's live for our passed down family and friend photo album above all else. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is the Indian wedding that I mentioned that we went to was so joyful. I ended up, I ended up sharing all of my videos of it on Instagram stories. And then there was so much going on because I was hosting a call that I didn't want people to miss the news of. So I actually ended up taking them down. So wasn't able to save them on pinned stories, uh, took them down before they expired. So I will repost those eventually. I know those of you that got to see them were absolutely loving them. But the main thing that I want to highlight from it was the joyful dancing and playfulness that was present 
in the dance performances they did at the rehearsal dinner the night before and all the little different elements before the ceremony, during the ceremony, after the ceremony. There was so much laughter and teasing and joking. And then so many people on the dance floor, especially men and older men. (laughs) And that stood out to me so much because the prior wedding to this that we went to, I mentioned we've been to two weddings recently. The dad refused to come on the dance floor. He refused to come on the dance floor. He didn't dance. I have another friend in my life, the wedding we were at the year before. I was saying to Jeremy when we left, I was like, I'm so glad that you dance. Like Jeremy is right in the middle of the dance floor, totally going for it. Doesn't care how he looks. And this other male friend of ours is like, he'll do a couple kind of step touches And that's it. It's like, yeah, I checked the box. I did some dancing at that wedding. But you can tell he cares so much about how he looks. And my dad, guys, um, was so fixated on the father-daughter dance at our wedding because he was so worried about how he was going to look. All we did was sway side to side, back and forth. Like he wanted to practice it. Like there was, there was no choreography. I wasn't trying to do anything complex. We were just standing and swaying, but he was so stressed about that. So in my experience, white American males are so worried about how they look specifically when they dance. And and the idea of just joy and playfulness and silliness and to be around all of these Indian men who were just, who were the ones leading the charge and just out there and dancing the biggest was so refreshing and so inspiring to see where the, you know, going back, the original patriarchal leaders of this society were leading with joy, were leading with joy. And I didn't even think about the the tie-in to this episode when I thought about sharing this in the PS, but they were leading with happiness and joy and delight and creating memories and moments and connection. And therefore, that is the, the Indian culture today. And it was present with everyone from the grandparents all the way down through the little kids. And you know what? I also just generally got no sense that people cared about how they looked. Now, I don't know exactly where I would have been getting this from, but I guess, and maybe some of, I just like, I didn't even see people taking photos, really. I guess that's what I'm realizing right now. And I love photos. I love memories. Again, didn't even think about the time of this episode today. But when you, know, I feel, now that I'm thinking of it, oh my gosh, my mind is being blown. I feel like I made a point for Jeremy and I to take more photos with the couple than I saw their Indian friends taking with them. And I don't know, maybe there's a deeper connection here about like the Indian culture not valuing photos as much or something. But I guess for me, it's about capturing the memory that I want to be able to look back at you know, 30 years from now. I still want us to be friends and be like, oh my gosh, look, here was us at your wedding. Like I want it for the memories. I wasn't you know, doing a carousel post of this on Instagram or something. It was for us and the memories. But I just don't feel like there was a sense that people cared about how they looked, which they were dressed beautifully and colorfully and joyfully. I don't mean they hadn't thought about 
what they were going to wear. I just didn't get a sense that anyone was worried. How do I look dancing? You know how like at American weddings, like somebody will, will end up in a big circle and somebody will go in the center and do a funny dance or whatever and then like pass it off. But like you're always trying to look cool. I realized when I repost these videos, you'll see it. Everybody stood in these small little circles. There wasn't one big circle. We weren't kind of all waiting for somebody to take the lead and be the, the out boisterous one in the center. They were all dancing in these small circles because everybody was just dancing equally. There was nobody in the center. Every, it was much more collective. And also something that I didn't share in stories yet because I wanted to share it after the, those posts because I didn't want it to, I didn't want there to be a, anyone paying attention to anyone specific in these videos because there was no one that I was focusing on. But I had the thought when we were at the wedding ceremony and their women are all wearing, and I don't know the difference between a sari and a linga, so I'm not sure the exact terminology of what they're wearing, but basically they're wearing outfits where you can see their midriff, where you can see their stomach. And we had been talking about this in what makes women feel beautiful inside the garden party community. Someone a couple months ago had posted that she feels like she can't wear something that shows her midriff. And she had this like top that did that she thought was cute, but she would always take it off. And she was like, this is so silly. Why am I feeling like I can't show this inch of skin? It's not like I'm wearing a bra top walking down the street. Like it's not that risque. Why am I so fixated on this? She's like, I'm just going to do it. I always want to wear this top. I did it. I feel great about it. Like just these little wins of giving ourselves more permission to be playful and to wear something, not because it makes us look the most thin, but because it brings us the most joy because it's representing our personality. And I had that conversation in my mind when I was looking around at all of these women with their midriffs out, middle-aged women, older women, everyone, I don't know, everyone's medium-sized. And I just thought no one here is thinking about what anyone else's midriff looks like. This is just the style. Everyone has their, their midriff out. It's just a body. It's just the style of the dress in this culture. No one and everyone, the, the dresses are all the same cut. There's not a more flattering version of it. They all show a midriff. They all like go over one shoulder. So they all expose arms. That's, that's just the dresses. Nobody's putting on this Indian dress going, does this one make me look thinner or does this one? They're, they're all the same style. They're choosing different colors and patterns and um, beading and things like that, different accessories. But I thought no one here is trying to look the thinnest. No one is trying to look the coolest. They are just all joyful and present. And it was so beautiful. And on top of it, there happened to be no Wi-Fi and no cell service at this place. We were up in uh, Woodstock, New York, and this sort of like beautiful remote um, little cabin in the woods type of vibe resort. And so I think all the more so while I was capturing moments, knowing that I would share them later, I was also just so present. And I was also conscious, you know, again, now that I think about it, I was aware at some point, like multiple times actually, that I put my phone away because I was like, no one else is filming the dance floor. They're all just present. No one else is filming this dancing. They're just being present. And how, again, this Western mentality, you know, mind you, 
we weren't in India. We were the, the, both of these families are from New Jersey. (laughs) They are very Westernized. They are very Americanized. So we're not talking like they don't, they aren't also all on Instagram. Do you know what I mean? But they didn't need to be in that moment because there was just such presence. And I love the kismet of the fact that I happened to have that when I also felt compelled to talk on this topic today and not even realizing the way that this all comes together. But friends, We want to be happy and joyful and present for the closest people in our lives that matter most to us, and we are making memories with them. And we have gotten so warped and fearful and made small by our emphasis on social media and filtering things and editing things and, heck, even just the ability to take tons of photos. My grandparents, you you took one photo. That was the photo. You didn't use a lot of film. You couldn't see. I mean, I know this is like a joke thing now with like, I don't know. I, I don't know all the, the generations. What are we like millennials or Gen Z or whatever, where you're like, you used to not be able to see the photos until you got them back. Like there wasn't, wasn't even a display on the back of your camera. You didn't know if the photo was going to turn out. I think it's worth thinking about how much that has changed. And then also, didn't expect to say this either, but also, sidebar tangent for another conversation another day, is I think about how am I going to develop my child's relationship with seeing themselves on camera? And I've got some other other thoughts on that because I notice it in my niece. I notice it in my niece who's 10, and I've noticed it for a couple of years, um, like the way she poses in photos. And I'm like, where did she get that? Like, that's not the way the rest of us pose. She's not on social media. Where is she seeing that this is a cool pose? And I don't mean like fun and funny. I mean, there's something a little fixated about like, she's decided when she she should suck in her cheeks or she's decided that she should pop her shoulder forward. And like, where are you getting this from that you are thinking about how you look to other people in this photo at eight years old? And different, different conversation, different research rabbit hole for us to go down. But friends, it starts with us. The only way my child is going to have that healthier relationship is because I have the healthier relationship. And so it matters for their experience of me. It matters for their experience of them. And then it matters for my experience of me because I want to be present and love this life. And I do not want to be obsessing about what some stranger is going to think about that weird little part under my arms on social media. You know the weird little part I I have. We all have them. They're just there. Okay. I love you so much. I will see you back here for the next You're Welcome Wednesday and over on Instagram and Instagram stories and inside the garden party. Before then, if you are a brand new member joining us through What Makes Women Feel Beautiful, I cannot wait to get to know you personally, get to hang out, coach you individually, help you more and get to know your story and develop a relationship. So I will see you over there with grace and gumption. Till next Wednesday. 